So days and days go by, and I haven't given Todd Maplethorpe his jeans, his Gap jeans that are my size. Temptation, temptation. But whoever hires the Laker girls has a thing for overbites. And I think the reason she gives me this look is because she knows I know that she's got a hot body. Overbites. Overbites. Uh, welcome to the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class in my garage, and I was gonna wait until. Okay, good. I got my jacket off. I have to take off my jacket because it. There we go. It, 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 it's it's too noisy. It's too noisy, and every time I move my hands or my arms or everything, you'd be able to hear it. And as I was taking my jacket off, I could hear my keys rattling around in there. And so I I actually had a premonition of me creating fodder for the next show, which would be I would sit in here and I would record this recording in my garage. And when I was done, I would grab my keyboard or my uh, laptop, I mean, and uh, my coffee cup and I would leave the studio. I would lock the studio. I'd go in and then I would not be able to get in the house because I would have locked my keys in the studio because the studio does not require a key to lock, but the house sure as hell requires a key to unlock and I lock the house when I come in here because because I do. Because I do and because it's Los Angeles. And uh, my name's Dan Class. This is The Bitterest Pill. And um, what else was I going to tell you? I'm in my garage as usual under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. I just ate some, uh, some fibrous cereal. I'm drinking a little decaf tea. So we're going to, you know, that's how macho this whole thing is. God, what a man. What a man! What a man I've become sitting here eating some kind of women's granola cereal. I don't even. I, uh, I don't even know. Now I lock the house because um, you know you never know. I live in Los Angeles, and um, you know you just never know when things are going to get funky. You know what I mean? So you lock the house. There, there were some reports, actually not so much these exact days, but not that long ago, a couple months, six months ago. You know, people casing your house, home invasions. A neighbor saw a guy coming out of one of the other neighbor's house like, he doesn't live there. Turns out the lady was in the shower. She was home in the shower. A guy goes, he goes in her back door, walks through the house, grabs her purse, walks out the front door and is gone. So, needless to say, security here is tight. Now, this is sort of leading me to... Uh, a moral dilemma. So, so what has happened is not. Let's hold on. Let's not go too fast. Basically, I'm really salivating here. I must be very excited about seeing, uh, telling you this. So, I am under strict orders from my wife to not open the door when I'm home alone. Now, partly it is because for security reasons, we always keep the house locked. I don't need to be home invaded. Trust me, there is no part of me that wants to be invaded by a stranger. You know what I mean? A, a stranger posing as a meter reader or some sort of delivery person or something. You know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, I'm being violated. No one needs that. So, but the main thing really is I'm under strict orders not to open the door because what happens is I I end up buying something. I'm knocking things oh. I just unplugged the laptop. Okay. We got power? Yes. I end up buying things. I end up buying things from solicitors that I don't need or, worse yet, that never arrive. I'm the guy, right? They come to the door and they're selling magazines or they're trying to raise money for a trip to Jamaica or to Argentina or to the Netherlands. I don't know where they're going. It's always, right? And listen, I hope this doesn't offend you. But I'm going to dare to say this anyway. Oftentimes, it is African-American people, men, young men, come to the door to try to smooth talk me with their Chris Tucker impersonations and try to get me to give them money so they, because they're trying to write, raise whatever. In my, and they prey on my white guilt and my naivete and my desire to just get people away from my house of all races, creeds, or colors. And I'm 
Listen, I admit I am a sucker for, uh, you know, African-American sweet talking. I am. I am. And I've given them so right. Just these random who knows where I mean, are they really selling subscriptions to magazines? I have never received a subscription to a magazine that I have purchased through one of these door to door people ever. It's African-American young men that are kind of funny and charming. I have no resistance to whatsoever. I just hundreds of dollars have flown out the door and young white women that are coming for some liberal cause, some save the earth, crunchy granola. They're kind of cute and smiley and they want me to give them money to stop nukes or greenhouse gases or something, whatever. Next thing you know, the checkbook is out and I'm giving them whatever. And, you know, so it didn't go over well with my wife. So this has been going on for years. So I am now under strict orders to not open the door. And now here's a perfect example because, again, and this is yet a third thing that I didn't even anticipate. Maybe I told you this already. And I'm trying to think if I should fictionalize this at all, but I, I just i am not going to. So, so one day um, someone rings the doorbell or knocks on the door. And again, I am under, right, because I cannot handle it. I am not adult man enough, right? Next thing you know, I'm giving everyone our money. So a ring, there's a ring at the bell or a knock on the door. And I assume that I didn't ask who it was, although sometimes I'm like, who is it? Because sometimes it's just a legitimate thing. Like it's the exterminator guy or FedEx or, you know, my wife is always ordering things online to be delivered, right? So some it's often it's the UPS guy, maybe FedEx needs a signature. We're always expecting some sort of brassiers or dance gear or dance brassiers. Some something's on the way. So maybe this particular day I said, who is it? And the voice said it's Hank. Gene's grandson. And I'm I ran out of gas. He's yelling through the door. It's it's Hank. It's Gene's grandson. I ran out of gas. I just I'm about to run. I just need a couple of bucks. Now, Hank. Was Gene's grandson and Hank had had some. Substance problems in the past. And Hank bought our car from us a long time ago when we used to have an old Saturn. Remember Saturn's? We had a Saturn and we sold it to Hank because Gene was trying to help Hank get on his feet. Gene had, like I say, some substance problems, right? So we sold the, the car to Hank, which probably means we sold it to Gene and Gene just gave him the keys. I have no idea. And he drove off with it and, you know, whatever. And the next thing, you right, Bender. So but I don't know what Hank's been up to. I haven't seen him. Right. I think the family kind of disavowed all knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this voice at my door that says, hey, it's Hank. Uh, Gene's grandson. Uh, uh, I need five. I arrived some gas. And uh, uh, uh. now at this time, no one was home next door. They had all gone to Florida. OK. Now, because I knew that Hank had had some problems with the Right. And the money and the, 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 the I didn't want to come out and say, oh, yeah, they're not right. So I opened the door. I'm like, hey, Hank. And he's like, hey, remember me? I bought your car from you. I'm like, I sure do. So he's looking, you know, unshaven and dirty, but he looks like he looks unshaven and dirty like a guy that might be working, not a guy that's on some kind of crazy ass bender. And he says he needs a couple of bucks for gas and that no one's home next door. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know when they're going to be home from Florida. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so I figure the closest, the, the, the shortest road between where I am and him going away is I'm just going to give him five bucks. I'm going to give him some, right? I'm not going to get into a big conversation about this or that, or I can't give you five bucks. My mommy said I'm not allowed to open the door. Another, I'm just going to, right, give him five bucks and get it, go and get him and go. 
So, and I don't remember the exact order that this happened. Maybe I gave him the five bucks before we had our conversation. Maybe I gave him the five bucks after our conversation. I think I, I think I gave him the five bucks and I was like, okay, see ya. And he just sort of stood there like we should have a conversation, I, I guess, to right to kind of validate this five bucks. Like you can't just ask a guy for five bucks, take the five bucks and then walk off, even though that's really what the guy wants you to do. The guy wants you to take the five bucks and go because the guy honestly is in the middle of doing his taxes. So Hank just stands there like, so, you know, yeah. It's been a while or whatever, something like that. And I say, have I told you this before? I say, yeah, things are okay, you know, whatever, whatever. I sure miss having your grandfather next door. And Hank says, what do you mean? And I say, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I miss, I miss having, hello, hi, um, I miss having your grandfather next door. And Hank says, what, why, what happened? And I say, Hank, Gene passed away. A couple of months ago. Well, little did I know, the family had not told Hank. Because the family has disavowed all knowledge. They had given up. They had tried and tried and tried and tried. And got to the point where the best thing they could do for Hank was to not do anything anymore for Hank. And apparently that included discussing with Hank Gene's health and whereabouts. So now I have a 50-year-old, 40, 35, I don't know, he looks 60-year-old man, unshaven manual laborer with very little gas in his car and my $5 bill in his sweaty hands, crying on my porch. And once again, my wife was right. I should not open the door for anyone. Because now I, there's a, <laughs> he's, he's, and he's crying, crying on my porch. So I don't open the door for anyone. That's it. And the other day, Hudson and I were coming home and there was a guy on our porch. And again, we're we're really paranoid because there's all this weird stuff that happens around the neighborhood, right? There's a guy on our porch that we don't know, some white guy. And he's on our porch and he's ringing the doorbell. So we drive up to the house, but I don't even pull in the driveway. I'm like, I got to see what's going on here. So we stand, so we pull across the street and we park and we watch this guy. We pretend to be chatting. I'm like, Hudson, pretend you're talking to me, but what's the guy doing? So the guy stands there and stands there and stands there, and he's waiting, waiting, like he really expects us to be there, and we're really not there. We're across the street watching him. So finally he gives up, and he walks away, and he doesn't get into a car. He just kind of walks up the street. So we're like, that's weird. This is Los Angeles. No one just walks up the street. Like, why is this guy, Where? what's happening? So we pull in the driveway, we get out of the car, we go up to the door, and in, at the door is a box. And it turns out that this box was some dance stuff or bras or whatever, one of these many things that my wife is always ordering for she and my daughter. And apparently it had been mis, uh, you know, whatever, uh, delivered. And this guy was coming by to deliver it from his house where it must have been left to our house. And, and this happens every once in a while. You know, the numbers are so confusing. They're all different shapes. So it's it makes sense that the mail would go to the wrong house. So, and I, and I think part of why he was standing, the, standing there for so long is he wanted to explain to us, I think, that the 
he had opened the box. Because the box had been opened. There might even been a little tag on there that said, sorry, I opened your box. It came to my, you know, whatever. So we're finally getting to my moral dilemma, which is this. So, so we keep, you know, my, without getting, whatever. My wife keeps ordering these clothes for my daughter that don't fit. These little sports tops that she can wear when she works out or whatever. Or when she's a dance or whatever. She wants to wear something sometimes under her leotard, whatever. So she keeps ordering these things and then returning them. Ordering, returning. So there are these boxes and packages constantly showing up at the house and costumes for dance recitals and competitions and all this jazz. So boxes arrive all the time. And one day, a couple of boxes arrived and I always just put them here or there or whatever. And Melissa will open them. So Melissa opens a box and she says, when did you order jeans? What are you talking about? And in this box, it was a box from, you know, either the Gap or Banana Republic or something, is a pair of jeans. And so I say something like, I don't order jeans. I get mine, you know, from that fancy Target place. Why would I order jeans that I'm not trying on from the Gap slash Banana Republic slash Old Navy, wherever that stuff is coming from? So she looks on the box and the box is not for us. It's for some other guy from some guy named Todd or something who must live up or down the street. But the weird thing is, is that Todd, who lives up the street, whom I don't know. I have no idea who Todd is. Todd Maplethorpe or something. I don't know. Todd Maplethorpe and I are the same exact size. We're the same exact size. And honestly, I could use some jeans. And they're probably, they look kind of like nice, expensive jeans. And my wife's got this look on her face like, hey, honey, guess what? Free jeans. And I'm like, can we really do that? Can we do that as parents? Can we be, right? Every once in a while, I'll see these little things on Facebook. Someone will post one of those great little graphic things with the, the wise saying on it. And recently the wise saying I saw was character is when you do the right thing when no one's looking. And I thought to myself, no one's looking except maybe the kids when we've got these jeans and they are my size, Todd. And I don't really want it, but I really, these are not my jeans. I did not pay for these jeans. Now, granted, if we don't give them back to Todd, Todd's going to call the gap. The gap's going to say we shipped them. They're going to determine they got lost in the mail and probably ship out new jeans. So I wouldn't really be taking the jeans from Todd Maplethorpe per se, but I would be getting free jeans that I did not pay for from the Gap. So I say to Melissa, my wife, like, you know, whatever, I'll, 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 I'll drop them off, whatever, whatever. We'll figure out where this address is, where Todd lives, and I will take them over there. Okay. But as you can imagine, um, dropping off a box at the neighbor's is not my highest priority right now. Because we had to rush into our taxes, and then I got another 1099, so now my taxes are wrong, so now I have to do an amendment, and then... Hudson's still doing the high school thing, so we're going to interviews and open houses and shadow days and all that jazz. And I'm trying to get there's this job. I'll tell you about that next week. Trying there's this job. I'm trying to, so I've been busy. Plus there's laundry. Melissa's going to go out of town, so there's all this extra laundry. But I get caught up, whatever. And there's something else going on that I'm forgetting about dance recitals and stuff. It's busy. So next, so days and days go by, and I haven't given Todd Maplethorpe his jeans, his Gap jeans that are my size. Temptation, temptation. So yesterday, I finally like, F it, I put the box in my car. Because finally, it's a day where I don't have to jet off somewhere immediately after dropping off the kids or whatever I was doing. And I will stop by whatever address it is where Todd Maplethorpe lives. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out which house it is. And it's not on the block I thought it was. It's really on our block. I mean, it's literally the guy lives like three or four houses up from us. In a house that, um, I don't know if someone bought it or whatever. It used to be a, 
privately owned and lived in, and then maybe it was a rental property for the college kids, and now I don't know what's going on. But it's right next to this house on the corner where this evil Cliff Clavin-looking guy lives with a mustache, like a walrus mustache, you know what I'm saying? He kind of looks like this very angry, you know Cliff Clavin from Cheers? Like a meaty-handed guy. He's like Cliff Clavin's really psychotic cousin. And his wife, his wife that always kind of gives me this look when I'm coming around the corner. If she's ever outside, she just gives me this look. And I think the reason she gives me this look is because she knows I know that she's got a hot body. Now, I don't know how old this broad is. She's got an angry face and dyed black hair, but she's got kind of a hot body. And I saw them once at Blockbuster, back when Blockbuster was open, and he still, up close, looked like angry, maniacal Cliff Clavin cousin. And she looks crazy, but she looks sexy in these boots and craziness. You know, sometimes craziness is very sexy. She looked sexy, crazy, like she would strangle you. And it turns out, so they, so it turns out that Todd uh, Maplethorpe lives right next door to Crazy Sexy and in Cliff Clavin. And the more I think about Crazy Sexy, like I, I decide I don't want to get out of my car because Crazy Sexy might see me and give me that evil eye. And I don't want her, right? I, I, I just don't, and I don't want to meet Todd in his pants. I don't want to see a guy who's my size. It might be depressing. I don't, I just don't. I don't. So I decide I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I don't know when. Maybe I'll drop it off at night. I don't know. So then later in the day, so I'm, I'm working on all these resumes. I've been putting resumes together and writing samples and this and that, like I say, for this job that I'm trying to get. And uh, I don't have much time because I've now I've gone. This is late in the afternoon. I, I've dropped my daughter off at dance and then I had to run, run a bunch of errands and then I have to go get my son. But I've got this little window of opportunity where I can kind of solidify a few things with these resumes and these writing samples. I got a, I want to do a last proofread on something and whatever. And then ding dong, there's a ring at the doorbell and the dog starts going bananas and the dog doesn't stop. Now I figure it's you know, UPS, it's that time of day. It's UPS FedEx time of day. So I figure I'm not going to go to the door because whenever I go to the door at this time of day, it's not, there's no one there. The UPS guy has left something on the doorstep and is gone. And I'm busy and I don't have much time. So, but the dog, won't, the dog won't stop. The dog won't stop. The dog won't stop. The dog is just going crazy. So I do what I always do. I fruitlessly go in my daughter's room, whose room is in the front of the house, and I look out her window because our front, the front of her house has a very long porch on it. And so my panic brain thinks that I should be able to look out her window and see whoever's standing at the front door. It's not possible. It's not physically, geographically, whateverly possible. You can't really, unless the person is standing way far back like leaning along the banister of the porch thing, you cannot see them if they're at the front door. So really the only way you can see who's at the front door, honestly, is for them to see you, right? And then it's too late. But I do see that por parked right in front of my house is a red car that I do not recognize. Now I can't see the whole car because of the stupid trees that we have in between our porch and the car. You understand? There's these bushy tree things. <sighs> Yeah, so I can't see the car, but I don't know anybody that has kind of a reddish, maroonish car with a moonroof and a spoiler. I don't know who that is. So I wait because, listen, no one just comes over to your house unannounced in the uh, in the suburbs, right? They don't do that. So whoever this is, I don't know why they're at my house, but maybe they're just coincidentally parked in front of my house. But then they're going to canvas the area, trying to convert people to, to be Jehovah's Witnesses. Or it's another realtor handing out right notepads with their photograph on it. It's just whatever. It's always the same crap. But what I don't want it to be is some teenage African-American boy who's going to sell me a subscription to Fast Company that's never going to come. Or some hot little white college co-ed chick who's going to get me to donate to some, I don't, who knows what. 
So I sort of see a guy because I'm I'm moving around from room to room trying not to be seen because I really got to get these resume things done and this proofreading, all this stuff. So I see the guy, but I can't see the guy. You understand what I mean? I see it like a silhouette. But I do hear this voice next door, booming, booming, booming next door, like bah, 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 but I can't, I can't understand what they're saying through the walls of the house. So it just sort of sounds like Charlie Brown adults. And then, so I go back, because now they're next door at Gene's house. The former Gene, late Gene's house. And I cannot see them because of the way their house is configured from my bedroom. But eventually I see the person say, I see the person leave and they're saying, oh, well, thanks. So I didn't mean to bother you or whatever. And they leave. And it's some guy, some, you know, some man with a clipboard that I don't recognize. I don't know who he is. So I'm thinking, well, then he's going to go to the next house. Right? He went, he stopped, he just happened to stop at my house and he came to my house. Then he went next door and then he's going to go next door to them, right? And he's going to just go, whatever he's doing, he's going to, that's what he's going to do. I keep hitting the lamp. I'm so sorry. Can you hear that? It's like my meditation lamp. Namaste. But he doesn't go next door to next door. He goes back to his car and he gets in his car and he drives away. So this man with the clipboard and the sunroof was looking for me. And the only thing I can figure is that he's looking for Todd's pants. He's a representative from the United States Postal Service. He's some sort of postal inspector. And he's trying to track down Todd Maplethorpe's 3032 no, 3230. I wish 32. 3032. That that that'd be a life changer, baby. He's looking for Todd Maplethorpe's 3230 jeans that he ordered from the Gap a week and a half ago that should have been delivered a week ago that seemed to have disappeared that the mail carrier claims that he may or may not have left on my porch. So now I've got Todd Maplethorpe's jeans still in my car. They're in the trunk of my car. But now I'm certainly not going to go, right? I'm not going to take them over there and drop them off. Oh, yeah, I've been sitting on these jeans for five days. No. What I'm going to do is I already wrote on the box, delivered to the wrong address. Sorry, I opened it. I'm going to take them to the post office. The post office, which is about a half a mile away. Now, Todd Maplethorpe's house is about, like I say, three houses away, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to the post office. I'm going to be like, hey, post office, here you go. This got right because they don't know. They won't they won't realize that it's been five days or whatever it's been. I'll just give it to them. Then they can give them to Todd Maplethorpe. And then Todd Maplethorpe will be like, well, these must have got misplaced. And oh, these were right. But he won't know that it was me. See. And then hopefully this mystery man with the clipboard and the sunroof won't come looking for me. But I think. They are on the trail of Todd Mablethorpe's jeans. I went to a basketball game. I went to a professional basketball game. And when I say professional, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's professional, right? It wasn't uh, an NBA game. It was what I believe is officially uh, called, uh, you know, it's a minor league game. We didn't go to a Lakers game. We went to a Defenders game. Now, the defenders are the Lakers, you know, little brother. The league, the farm team, the minor league team of the Lakers is the D hyphen Fenders. Which, uh, I don't know about that name. I mean, I know Lakers doesn't really mean anything. Were the Lakers officially originally from near a lake? Is that why were they weren't they like the Minnesota? The Michigan Lakers or something, I forget now. I don't remember my... All my... Anything I know about basketball, I learned from uh, the Harlem Globetrotters. In a Harlem Globetrotters documentary, it's not like I'm sitting around watching CNN and they're like, oh, yes, in fact, the Lakers were originally from... 
Detroit or what? You know, I don't know. I, I saw I saw a documentary on the Globetrotters once. If you ever get a chance to see it, I don't know the name of it, but you should because they were ambassadors to the world. But defenders. So we. So here. But here's how you get me. Father, stay-at-home dad, uh, non-sports person, geek nerd, Dan Class, to a, a basketball game. You invite his daughter to dance at halftime. So my daughter and her dance company, yeah, they got invited to dance at halftime at a Defenders game last Monday or whatever it was. Now... Long-time listeners may remember, because I'm sure I talked about it, because I, ta- I tell you everything. Um, what was it? A year or two ago, my daughter, uh, her name is Tulu. You know my daughter, Tulu. Uh, she got involved in this thing where they ended up, they were going to dance. We thought they were going to dance at halftime on the field at a soccer game for whatever the L.A. soccer team is. What's the L.A. soccer team? Uh, the Galaxy? L.A., I forget. You know what soccer team I'm talking about? Landon Donovan, Bendit like Beckham, that team. Whatever that team is, I'm drawing a blank. You're lucky I remember the defenders. So so that happened. So we got involved with that. And it really kind of felt, when we were all done, like a convenient way for them to get more people to just attend the game. They didn't dance on the field. They danced uh, up kind of where you walk to get to your seats. There were 500 other acts doing things all at the same time, a couple of bands, cheerleading troops and dance troops and mimes and, well, okay, not mimes, but you know what, you get the idea. But the dance studio head, whatever, said, oh, no, 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 they're going to dance during halftime on the court of the Defenders game. And I think and the Laker girls are going to be there and they might get a chance to meet some of the players, whatever, it should be great. And now the girls, unlike the soccer thing, the girls have all these routines that they do, these really great routines. I mean, for especially her group, they're 10 years old. I mean, these girls are like 8, 9, 10 years old and they kick ass, I'm telling you right now. And I know I'm biased because one of them is my daughter, but still, they already have these routines. So it's not like before where Tulu had to learn a whole new routine with a bunch of her goofy friends from school that aren't really dancers. This is a real thing. They are the real dance company. They're going to the real Lakers Little Brother Defenders game, and they're going to dance on the court at halftime fine. So we get, you know, we're going to get a special deal on the tickets, right? The tickets are only, I think, $15. Is that right? Yeah. for us because we're family. Now, she doesn't have to pay. She's the entertainment. But mommy, daddy, and brother, $15 each. What does that come to? I don't know. Something like 45 bucks. Which is not a huge problem. I mean, I want to see my daughter dance at this basketball game, right? It's going to be exciting. Going to be a little stadium or whatever. Laker girls, that's hot. Basketball players, that's cool. Yada, yada, yada. So we sign up, we're ready, we're go, we're ready to go, we're ready to go. Okay. And so that day, and you know how things are in your world and you pass them all the time, you don't notice them and then something will change and then you know like, oh, that is there every day and I've just never seen it. So I'm leaving the grocery store that day, literally that Monday, and in my grocery store that I go to, now I used to go to the old Ralph's where they hate me, where they accuse me of uh, stealing and then trying to return a mop or whatever. I don't go there anymore. It's a long story. I wanted to cause quite a scene. I wanted to punch a few people. I didn't, but I just don't go back there. So I go to a different Ralph's now. It's in a different town. It's in El Segundo. And in the El Segundo Ralph's, and please don't go there and stalk me, okay? Because it's near the airport. You could fly here and be like, oh, you know, the El Segundo, right? Just don't do that. I just need to get in there and get my Goline Crunch cereal and my, um, you know, Zone Bars and get out. So I'm, I'm leaving there and I've got my Goline and my Zone Bars. And there's a big cardboard cutout of a couple of the players from the Defenders. Now, I had never even noticed that it was the defenders. I thought it was the Lakers. But it turns out these two guys are actually, right, the cardboard cutout. They're defenders. And the div is like, hey, come and watch the defenders. They're the Lakers, but not yet. 
and there's a flyer and I take one of the flyers like, oh, Tulu will think this is so cool. I have a flyer for the Defenders game. And on the flyer, it says, hey, come to the Defenders game today, the day that, you know, the same, that day. And you can get in two people for $20. Two people for 20 So let me get this straight. For the special ticket price that the families of the dancers get, we get $15 each. But just any jackanape off the street can get four people in for 40 So we're getting three family members in for 45 and one of us has to dance during halftime the daughter okay so let's say we're getting four because she gets in free okay let's let's be let's be honest for our four people we pay 45 dollars, but one of us has to entertain the crowd during halftime and any idiot can come in with a couple of flyers and three of his friends and the four of them can get in for five bucks less so we're basically buying tickets, and then paying you an extra $5 for my daughter to dance. That's just lovely. Now, the flyer says that the thing, the game, the Defenders game, is at the Toyota Center in El Segundo, which is why the cardboard cutout is at the Ralphs in El Segundo, because it's about three blocks away. Now, I keep having this mental hiccup about this whole Toyota Center thing because I I keep thinking I've been to the Toyota Center and the, the the address excuse me I had a little hiccup there the address sounds familiar and I'm pretty sure I've been to the but the, to me the Toyota Center is an ice skating rink the Toyota Center is where the LA Kings hockey team works out And practices and where all the hockey kids go and all the figure skating kids go. And whenever somebody has a, you know, an ice skating party and they don't want to go all the way to Culver City, they go to the Toyota Center, which is really near where we live. But that's ice skating. It's like three rinks. So I am convinced that I must be confused that that the skating rink thing is not the Toyota Center. The Toyota Center must be this other thing that I don't know about that has a basketball stadium. Some sort of, right, warm, dry basketball situation. And then obviously where the the L.A. Kings, that's not the Toyota Center. That must be called something else. And I'm forgetting. And I think it's the Toyota Center. And it's not the Toyota Center. Toyota. Toyota. Mr. Toyota. And it it makes it all the more confusing because one of the schools that Hudson is looking at to go to one of these these high schools is called uh, New Roads. And New Roads just built this really awesome stage, like really awesome theater. And the guy that did the interior of it, all the sound acoustics, all this like height or whatever, is this guy, Mr. Toyota. So I just have like Toyota on the brain because Mr. Toyota did the acoustics for the Kodak, the Kodak theater or the Disney hall or maybe both or whatever. He's like one of the top acoustic guys in the world, Mr. Toyota. So I've got Toyota on the brain and we have to go to the Toyota Center, but I can't, so I can't figure if I think that the LA Kings thing is the Toyota Center and it's not, it's really the basketball thing is the Toyota Center and the LA Kings thing is something else. But how many sports facilities could there be in this one part of El Segundo? Well, actually kind of a lot because it's right near the big soccer fields. There's like basically like almost a square Three quarters of a mile worth of soccer fields, right? So it could it could happen. So we go to go see the basketball game. And we go to the Toyota Center and we pull in and I'm like, yeah, this is the ice skating rink. What what is going I mean? Uh I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I know, listen. I'm not Sporty Spice, so I don't go to a lot of these things. But I'm pretty sure, like, when you go to the Staples Center, you know, they lay the court down for the Lakers or however that works. Or maybe they uncover it. I don't don't know how it works. But they're able to fast change these venues for a lot of different purposes. So I think, well, then one of these rinks that I think of as a rink, because there's three stinking rinks in there. One of them, they must be able to 
I, I don't know, melt the ice, cover the ice. Do they have a big wooden thing they pull out? Right. Maybe the Zamboni can pull some sort of hardwood floor that goes over the ice. Because there stands all over the thing and then you know, they bring a counter down or whatever. So we arrive and, and Tulu and her mom, you know, Melissa, they go one way and Hudson and I go another way. And we see one of the rings. We're like, well, that must be it because there is a scoreboard right there. They must write Zamboni out some sort of Pergo thing and then they play. It's fine. It'll be cool. We'll go in there and whatever. So I'm I'm I need to ask someone if I can take pictures because it's my job to take pictures slash videotape this performance. And they sent me over to security or whatever. And um, I say, by the way, so um, where's the game going to be? There is a Defenders game, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it turns out the Defenders, the L.A. minor league team, You go in the Toyota Center and you go up the stairs and then you walk past the first rink and you walk past. Are there really three? Maybe I think there is three. Boom, boom. And then there's the big one. You walk down the stairs. So you're walking now along the third rink. You go out the back door into the alleyway between the Toyota Center and the whatever that is, the Marriott Corporate Suites. So you're in the alleyway now, and then the guy says, you take a right, and then take a quick right, and then you go back in the building. So, okay, listen, I mean, if you say so, I guess it's kind of weird. I mean, the L.A. Clippers, who aren't the Lakers, they're the Clippers, they have a practice facility that's this big, beautiful, normal practice facility. You guys are like, the defenders are in some kind of garage behind the hockey rink? So we eventually go back there, and the guy's right. You go out, out, mm, mm, and it's freezing, as you can imagine. Then you go outside, you go in, you're in, and then you're in what looks like, I mean, except for the TV cameras and the guys in essentially Lakers uniforms, it looks like a high school gym. No, I, I take that back. It sort of looks like a high school gym, except a high school gym would have had bleachers. This is a high school gym with no bleachers where all the people just sit in chairs. So one one side of the court. So there's the court, right? One side is <laughs> chairs, chairs. And then kind of behind those chairs, there is a roped off area with cocktail, you know, those high cocktail tables and higher chairs. And then the other side is just TV, some sort of TV crew. So apparently these Defender games are broadcast on uh, CBS Sports Network. Does that sound right? CBS Sports Network. So I'm a little shocked because my, my, my brother-in-law, Mark, and his family, they are really into sports. And they have all the sports channels, and they go to a lot of games. They go to a lot of professional games, college games, minor league games, whatever. I know they go to the local minor league baseball games. What is that? The Renegades? They go to the college, local college games. They go here, they go there. They go see the Yankees, whatever. And the impression that I get from their experience is that, for instance, if you go and see the Dutchess County Renegades or the Poughkeepsie Renegades, whatever the Renegades, I forget who the Renegades are, but the Renegades, that there's a lot of people there. That the, there's like the communities there to see the Renegades. Now, listen, they're not the Yankees, but hey, listen, it's the Renegades. So we go in to see the Defenders. The Los Angeles Defenders, the minor league team of the Los Angeles Lakers, the Lakers. This is the mine. There's no one in there. There's the families of the dancers. And there's the people that are there to broadcast. And there's a few spectators, but the actual spectators, the non-dancing Non-dancing family spectators are outnumbered by the dancing families by at least two to one. And it's not that many dancers. So 
So finally, game time, you know, because we're there early. And we go out, we, we eat a couple hamburgers off a truck, which was actually kind of fun, standing around, whatever. It's always fun to eat food off a truck. You know, nice to eat like a teenager. So the kids enjoy just standing around with me and we eat crap. So the, the you know, the game begins and the, they bring out all the players from the defenders and they bring out all the players from Idaho. Like not even a city in Idaho. They're just like the Idaho some something whatever's. I don't know. From Idaho, the whole state. So the Idaho guys come out and the defenders come out and the Laker girls come out. Now listen, I got to tell you, one of the upsides obviously of any sporting event. Right? Okay. So I'm not upset that the Laker girls come out. So the Laker girls come out. And you know, they're very close to us. And I'm, you know, how do I put this? I don't know what I was expecting, but it was just sort of, uh, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? There's this weird, I mean, and I guess I, I get it. There's this weird attempt to kind of be racially mixed. And yet there's a much stronger need to make them all look the same. So, they're all built exactly the same. They all have exactly the same clothes on. They're all wearing the same shoes and socks and tights. And they are doing the same really like ridiculously simple and lame dance moves. I mean, re- honestly, there are better dance moves being thrown around by middle-aged white guys at wedding receptions. I mean, it was just bad. But whoever hires the Laker, Laker girls has a thing for overbites. Now listen, I love a good overbite. I do. I think my wife kind of had a little bit of an overbite when we met. Nothing wrong with an overbite. It kind of accentuates the teeth. It pushes them out a little bit. It makes the smile kind of seem like it's omnipresent. But not every girl should have an overbite. It's weird. It was like they had cloned Beverly D'Angelo 30 times and just given her different wigs. And when I say Beverly D'Angelo, of course, I mean from 1982's uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, not from uh, 2010's HBO series Entourage. So the Laker girls are kind of lame. I mean, they're kind of attractive. You know what they are? They're, they're very attractive in, to me in quotes. Like in theory, I look at them and I go, yeah, yeah, they're good looking, I guess. But they're kind of like good looking because they're trying to be good looking, not good looking. Just sort of, I, I mean, I'm sure they're very nice women. It just wasn't as like, hey, the Laker girls. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, you know, I had the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders on my wall for many years, my friend. It was the 70s or 80s or whatever that was. And that was de rigor. You had Farah, you know, the Farah poster. Second to that was maybe the Cheryl Teague's poster. Uh, look it up on Wikipedia. And the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And these Laker girls just, I don't know, maybe I'm just too old. You know what, Maybe I think that's what it is, is I'm too old. And it's sort of like, eh, you know, listen, really, that's the best you can do is just that little shuffle step. Come on, ladies, really? So eventually halftime comes along. And... The dance company comes out and they do three numbers. My daughter's number was the middle number. And again, I know I'm biased. I know, I know, I know. They blew the Laker girls out of the gymnasium. Like, you've got to be kidding. They're jumping, they're leaping, they're spinning, they're leapfrogging, they're doing pirouettes, they're doing this thing, they're doing that thing. It's lyrical, so it's part ballet-ish, it's a little jazzy, it's a little this, a little that. They got little kids doing, shaking their butt to the conga, they got the bigger girls doing this, they got Toulouse, they're like throwing each other all over the room and spinning and backflip, and then the Laker girls came back out. Be aggressive, be aggressive. I mean, just wow. Just wow. But I couldn't, 
I still kind of can't wrap my head around the fact because I know, listen, I know you guys that love sports, love sports. You love, right? You love sports. And I'm telling you, the defenders are no slouch team. These guys play their asses off. They are not messing around and no one is there. Now, the Staples Center, when the, the Lakers play, obviously, Staples Center, wherever the hell it is, full, 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 full. But the fact that the defenders, the minor league team, there's no one there. It's just surreal to me. Surreal. And that's star power. And that's marketing. And that's the hive mind. You could be seeing a really, really good basketball team really kick ass. Up close. Like you're going to take a ball. Really, honestly, at some point in the game, you're going to be worried that you're going to get a ball in the face. You could have Nicholson's seats for 40 bucks for four of you. 40 bucks. All right, that's the bitterest pill for uh, this time. I did not get to uh, something that I thought I was going to get to, which was talking about my wife's corset. But we're going to talk about that next time. We went to a gala. We went to a gala. And instead of wearing a slinky dress, one of those slinky, short, slutty dresses that are all the rage today, my wife wore a corset. Mm. Did you hear that complaining sound in my voice? No, that's right. Anyway, uh, listen, thanks. Uh, thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, I need to uh, go. I need to get Todd Maplethorpe his pants. And, um, yeah. Hey, listen, if you want to join the Bitter's Pill, we talked about this last week, right? There is now officially a the Bitter's Pill mailing list. I think you should sign up because, uh, you know, that's the best way for me to keep everybody abreast of what's going on. Facebook is failing me. Twitter, right? Not everyone is going to catch that. The whole, the whole timeline-based communication does not work. The best way for me to communicate with you is for me to send you an email. So go to thebitterestpill.com once in your life. And on the right little side there, fairly close to the top, is a little sign-up for our mailing list thing. You just put your email address in there. Boom. But show announcements, product announcements, appearances, news, whatever, video, whatever, you know, basically whatever's coming up will be in those emails. I'm not going to bombard you with email. I'm not going to sell your email address or give it away. You know how I work, baby. But um, I want to be able to communicate with everybody, and that, I think, is going to be the best way to do it. So go to thebitterestpill.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you're not on it, you're not in it to win it. Did that sound persuasive and somewhat macho enough for you? All right, I'll talk to you next week. Uh, we'll talk about the corset, okay? And some go-kart racing. Yeah, God knows what else. Okay, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. This is The Bitter's Pill. I'm Dan Clash. Bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's tough.